All right. Welcome to the podcast feed that should be bringing you a podcast greater than yourself, but that currently isn't because we're taking a mid-season break. I'm John Barleycorn. And I am Fred. And uh, this week, we're actually bringing you a preview of things to come in the next few episodes of the second half of season one. See, we were so busy recording season one that we got burned out and we had to take a little break, but we already have them all recorded. So we're going to we're gonna give you a little example of what's come. And I will tell you, just a taste. I mean, season one's already been, what? I said just a taste. <laughs> just, we're going to give you just a tip, <laughs> just for a second, just to see how it feels. I was thinking like a sample bag. <laughs> so we're hope dealers, but we only give you a little bit of hope to start. Uh, so this is upcoming is a key bump of the second half of season one. And if you're anything like us, you'll be quickly back <laughs> to steal that rest of that bag for whoever's holding it. So enjoy your key bump. I never got to be the guy that helped and back. hit the cash machine. <laughs> I, they never, but I was always the guy who was like right back in line. <laughs> you ever been to one of those parties where it's like everybody gets in line to do key bumps of cocaine? Uh, never, ever, no. I did one of those. It's like a fraternity thing. I did one of those parties. I went through the line twice, and I look at my buddy, and I go, this isn't working for me. I'm going to go buy some Coke. (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, enjoy the preview. (laughs) The jumping off places it talks about is that's where I got when I got to my final treatment center was like, I have tried absolutely everything imaginable to get sober, and I have fucking failed. And, and the worst part about it is I thought I tried AA too. Yeah, right. And it didn't, and right. it didn't work. So, what? Yep. you know, I must be somebody that is, like, not susceptible to these steps because I've done them and they don't work. And, you know, right. medications and all the other shit doesn't work. I'm just going to fucking end it. And my the sponsor, when he approached me, was said, you know, it, it, share his experience of getting to the same place and say, you know, and I wanted to kill myself, but I just, like, for whatever reason, did not have the ability to. And uh, that's really what made me go, maybe this dude knows what he's talking about a little bit, and I'll just do what he said. And I feel like this is what is the the main kind of splinter between the the two schools, if there's two, let's say, I mean, there's a lot of different people in Alcoholics Anonymous, but let's say there's two major groups in Alcoholics Anonymous, right? You know, there, there's one that's like this idea that like, we can't say anything that could potentially offend them or yeah. like scare them away because we got to bring them in and hug them and, mm-hmm. and that group i think doesn't believe that god is the one keeping this me yeah. sober because if it's the difference between if god is keeping me sober then it's not of me to decide whether or not this other person is going to get sober yeah right but if i'm somehow responsible for keeping them sober then of course the responsibility is on me to bring them in and hug them and love them and make sure that they're getting what they need and mm-hmm. take them to meetings and buy them coffee and do all these things that we hear about in meetings. I think one of the reasons why the success rate is noted as so low is people go to rehab, they hear about these things in the spiritual malady, and a lot of people in life have the spiritual malady. But the question is, do they have, you know, my humanness, yeah, I drank to cover up my humanness. I didn't like the imperfection of it. 
So I, I drank over defects, but that's not what makes me an alcoholic, right? It's that I have an allergy and an inability to leave it alone. I don't know when I pick up if I'm going to have three or 33. Mm-hmm. And then when I try to leave it alone, I'm unable to leave it alone. But the character defects definitely manifestations of self definitely drive me to the unmanageability and bring me to all those bedevilments on page 52. Yeah, for sure. Well, and the word that you, when you first started talking about this, Liz, was uh, you said awareness or, you know, becoming aware of it. I, For me, it was like I was in Alcoholics Anonymous, but I wasn't completely defeated. And so my my need to, to, to be aware of those defects wasn't as great until alcohol and drugs had stripped me of every belief in my own ego, right? It's like until I was stripped of any uh, idea left that I could do anything correctly, like until I was until I was left as like a puddle on the ground of just like worthlessness and and just having no sense of direction, was I even able to to be open minded to seeing these types of things in a fourth and fifth step? How many like crackheads have you met in meetings who have a hard time understanding the phenomenon of craving? It doesn't happen. Like they, they get that part. You know what I mean? That's why you have these one is too many thousands, never enough slogans. And it's like, right. Just repeating that and walking off like a zombie. Yes. If I just avoid that. And it's like (laughs) the, the mental, you know, this blank spot, it's never addressed for, for me. That's like the biggest thing that's left out of most dialogues around step one is that like I will continue to pull a Fred or a Jim against my own will I'll wake up and I'll say I'm not going to drink today and then I'll fucking drink whether it's because I am unhappy or there's not a cloud on the horizon some insanely trivial excuse will come to mind and it'll be more powerful than my desire to not drink or the memory of the pain caused by drinking and you know when and that's what i really like when they when they do in the book address it as insanity what they're saying is like if i can't guarantee you every time how much i'm going to drink i can't tell you how my body's going to react to it it would be fucking insane to drink you know for the longest time in the book they're they're talking about the mental obsession and the and the physical part of it you know and and they keep saying like the only cure for that is going to be the psychic change the psychic change but i didn't understand you know why or how how are those things connected but then at this point it starts saying like a spiritual disease like it goes deeper than just our mind and our body like it's it's all the way like to our heart you know that's the kind of the way i view it like it starts in our heart then it goes to our head then we take the drink and then it's in our body you know so and it says if we can straighten out the spiritual malady then we'll be able to then the rest will fall in line then our thinking will become like on the on the clearer plane and then we won't take the drink so our body will be fine too lack of power is the problem here so like i can look at this in the most binary sense i either have the power to do this or i do not that's the beginning of like the seed of the step two thing of like coming to believe or whatever like you're talking about but looking at my life how many dozens of times am i like i'm scrambling to try to fix my life and have some sense of purpose and like every time is failing in one regard or another you know and exactly whether alcohol is involved or not 
Yes, that's the thing, right? It's not, it's not even always just about alcohol, right? Because it says this book isn't about not drinking. This book is about finding that power, mm-hmm. right? That's going to solve my problem. And I've tried to solve my problem with everything, like every type of spirituality, personal development, yeah. books, seminars, like all these things, right? And nothing's freaking working, like you were saying, right? And who would have ever thought that drinking would bring me to this program that would help me to finally solve my problem through this book that hooks me up with God, right? right. Like, like, like if you would have told me that first time I went and sat in the AA meeting that however many years later, I would be sitting here on a podcast talking about my most favorite thing is God, right? <laughs> like, yeah, I would have been like, you're fucking crazy. No, dude, that was, that was fucking awesome. Great. Yeah. Yeah. There was yeah, definitely a moment in there where I was like, I'm about to interrupt these guys and be like, I love you guys. <laughs> I, know. I know. And I was like, I'm not going to fucking do that right now. And it's what separates this allergy, illness, whatever, from, to me, everything else mm-hmm. that exists, which is why yep. it's so wildly misunderstood. Because people with peanut allergies do yep. not run into grocery store, steal peanut butter, and then shovel it into their face in the parking lot and go into anaphylactic shock. It just doesn't happen. 